When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and this is our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Before we get to that, I need to tell you about Football Insider. It's our subscription service that gives you access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. An exclusive newsletter delivered every single day to your inbox with something written by our Browns B team that doesn't show up anyplace else. And of course, our texting service where we'll text you throughout the day with news, analysis, and more. So uh, I'll cut right to the chase. If you want more information, go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get that information and to get all signed up. Now here's our Thursday pod. Everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And Ellis Williams joining us as well. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. It's a Wednesday night. Real quick, uh, happy Veterans Day to everybody, all, everyone who served out there. Um, we get to podcast about football because of the sacrifice other people made. So just thank you to everyone, and let's get this thing rolling. Okay, we're going to do a uh, – we haven't done one of these in a little while. We're going to do a draft. We're going to talk about the most important Browns players in the second half of the season. Uh, and we're going to do it fantasy draft style. We're going to do a snake draft. I wish we would have done this on air. So we determined the order. I pulled up this random number generator on, on my laptop here. And I had everybody pick a number one through 20. I think I picked like five. LSU picked seven, I think. Mary Kay picked 14. LSU, I think you picked 10, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mary Kay picked 14. I hit, ra- I hit the randomized button, and guess what number comes up? 14. Woohoo! So Mary and, Kay and was, what, what was her What was her reward for getting it exactly right? You decided it was what kind of draft? Oh, yeah, well, because I, I came in last, it's now a snake draft. So I'll, <laughs> I'll be doing back-to-back picks here uh, when, once we get to me. So, uh, you know, I think we'll try and do – I guess originally I was thinking two rounds, but we might end up doing three here. Um, we'll we'll kind of see where we go, but let's let's get it started. Let's get right to it. Mary Kay, you are on the clock, the number one pick in the most important Browns in the second half. Well, I will choose the one, the only, Miles Garrett uh, for the most important player of the second half of the season. Uh, he is on pace. He's a, a leading candidate for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He's tied right now still with Aaron Donald with nine sacks. He's playing a bunch of teams coming up where he should be able to get a lot more sacks, uh, a lot more strips. Uh, I think he's going to have a heck of a second half. He looks good. I've been watching him in practice the last couple of days. He doesn't look any worse for the wear with his knee injury or his ankle or his wrist or anything like that. I think he's going to play with his hair on fire in the second half and try to get this team to the playoffs. Ellis, we've talked so much about miles Garrett and I mean, I mean, it's, it's warranted. There's, there's always something to say about this guy in the season he's having and, and just the level he's taken it to. And we, we got robbed of most of his second half of the season last year. So, so I know I'm excited to kind of see what he can do in these last eight. I couldn't agree more. This has been a special season. Um, and this is the type of year where, look, the, the award season is 
narrative generated you know like obviously you need the stats and you need you need to play well on the field and all these things but the combination of just Miles Garrett's timing and all this like you said Dan what happened last year how his season ended and how he started these first eight games of course that strips strip sack streak and whatnot um he's right there and to close out this season in similar fashion how he started it and to bring home a defensive player of the year award of course is on his mind though he might not be vocal about that and it's one of those seasons where of course Miles Garrett is going to have many memorable seasons to come but to bookend this with continuing his momentum and getting that award while the Browns make the playoffs would be, you know, one of the all-time Browns season you'd have to think. And we've talked about this element of it too, Mary. He just seems so much more comfortable um, when he's talking to us just on the field, it's kind of who he is. I don't know if it's because he got paid. I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, because he went through what he went through after he got suspended, but he just seems so much more comfortable letting some of that, some more of that personality show. Yeah. You know what? I really do believe uh, that that incident with Mason Rudolph was a life-changing turning point for Miles Garrett in so many ways. Uh, it taught him a lot about himself and and some of these things uh, he opened up to me about in an earlier interview that I did with him. But uh, just in terms of uh, you know knowing that he can walk away from the game because he thought about quitting, he thought about quitting football, and he was fine with it. He realized that it doesn't define him. He really came to know that. So he came back to it with a renewed vigor, a renewed energy, knowing that he's here because he really wants to be. Then I think he came back really wanting to repay for the Browns for sticking by him. Same thing about, you know, with his teammates. He became a lot closer to his teammates. You see him goofing around with guys and, uh, you know, guys on offense, Odell before he left, those guys got close. Uh, you know, he, he has a, a great time with Baker Mayfield. Those guys were not close before this year. So I think it just changed everything about him. And, and then the other thing about it is that he, had un, he has unfinished business from last year. It is unfinished business. He was a candidate for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He was determined he was going to get it last year. And that got ripped away from him. And now he is back. And there is no way he is letting that award get away from him this year. Okay. So uh, I don't know if he would have been number one on everyone's big board, but probably on some people. So Ellis, you are up now at number two. Before I make my pick, I'll just say this listeners, be careful who you're around the next time you try to say the term strip sack streak. That was not easy. <laughs> and I did not plan that on this podcast. So we're going to work around that next time. But anyway, my pick, number two overall, and I thought Mary Kay may go there, but she, she did make the right pick. But for me, it's running back Nick Chubb. He's coming back, and Mary Kay, it's been wonderful reading your updates about the brace and how he still looks good. I think there are natural uh, wonders about if he will play with it, if he won't, if he can perform in it, if he can't. Um, limitations like that are always uh, interesting to see how players respond to those type of uh, playing with uh, something on you that you haven't had before. But brace or not, I, I think Nick Chubb is poised for an incredible second half of the season, um, just picking up where he left off before his injury. Um, he's still second in expected rush yards, which I just found fascinating. Delvin Cook it leads the league, and anyone who's playing fantasy football knows what, Dalvin, what kind of streak Delvin Cook's on right now. And Chubb, even though he's missed these games, is still – second and what that tells me it tells me two things tells me Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley have also been hurt but it also just says that Nick Chubb is in elite elite company and I know Browns fans have have been pounding that drum for a while 
Um, but this his absence here has just solidified that he is really the, the focal point of this offense, that he's not – Kareem Hunt can get the job done, but Kareem Hunt just benefits from Chubb being there, and he's the home run hitter that this offense has desperately needed when he reaches the second level. DBs and even some linebackers just bounce off him or drip off him like, like melted butter. It's remarkable to see him when he hits that second level. So I expect Nick Chubb to have a great second half of the season, picking up where he left off with rush defenses like the Texans – and the two New York teams and the Jags, he's, he's going to run all over these guys. So Nick Chubb, second overall, I feel pretty safe with that one. Yeah, I was going to say, too, uh, yeah, him coming back against the 32nd ranked run defense. I mean, what a way to get this party started, right? So, uh, you know, so it, it should be, uh, you know, he should be able to make a lot of hay against the Tec- Texans at First Energy Stadium on Sunday. And similar uh, lead to the to Miles Garrett's desire uh, to help this football team. I think Nick Chubb is the same way. Nick is very quiet. When we talk to him, you know, you just don't get much emotion out of him, and you just don't really always know exactly what he's thinking. He doesn't really love to talk to the media. For him, it's kind of like pulling teeth when you get him on the Zoom, or when we used to talk to him in person last year. He just doesn't love to do that. But what we have seen out of Nick Chubb is that uh, he, he is willing to put the Cleveland Browns on his back, the city of Cleveland on his back, along with as many defenders as he can fit on that back and just take you for a ride. And I think that's what we'll see in the second half from him. Yeah, I, I don't have a ton to add other than you, you kind of, I mean, I think we knew what we had in Nick Chubb, but sometimes you don't completely know until you don't have it. And, uh, you know, I, I think there was a feeling that, hey, Kareem Hunt's going to be able to just pick up where Chubb left off and, you know, it's pretty clear that Nick Chubb is, is really a special back. And if there is going to be a case to be made to extend him, uh, you know, when the time comes, these four games are going to be what he points to. But we'll save that discussion for another podcast because we got to do a whole offseason in this podcast, too. All right. So, guys, you left me. Uh, this draft fell perfectly for me because now I get to take it number three, the other pretty obvious choice. And that's the quarterback. Baker Mayfield, uh, we, we did a whole podcast, uh, the three of us, about Baker Mayfield and what he has to play for in the second half, the decisions that the Browns have to make uh, in the second half or, or in the offseason about Baker Mayfield as the quarterback. And the reality is that, yes, this team is very run heavy. Yes, they're built around play action and, and all of that. But at some point, your quarterback's going to have to win you a game like Baker did against Cincinnati. At some point, your quarterback's going to have to win you a game. And I don't think we can get through the first round of this draft without putting Baker Mayfield out there as one of the most important players of the second half of the season. Absolutely. 100%. In fact, I actually thought Ellis that you were going to go with Baker Mayfield uh, (laughs) at, at number two, but of course, all three of these players that we have talked about, you could have made a case for them in any one of these spots. So the first round was really easy. Uh, because all of these three guys mean so much to this football team. But Baker is poised uh, to, to have a much, I think, a much better second half than he did in the first half, in part because uh, they have retooled the offense for him. They've ripped some pages out. They put some new pages in. And it's going to be all about helping Baker Mayfield look good and get that 29th ranked passing game off the ground to utilize his weapons more. They know who he likes to throw the ball to now. They know what routes he feels comfortable with, what he doesn't. They know when he likes to be in the gun. 
they they know when he likes to or needs to roll out and uh they just know him now they didn't know him before and uh so i, I think that i think he's going to do a lot better he's also playing some horrible defenses and that will help it always does uh, he's playing a lot of really bad pass defenses and then he's got a lot of guys back healthy. So it's all adding up for a good Baker second half. Yeah, it's adding up for exactly what you said, Mary Kay. A, uh, optically, it'll look smooth, you know, games against Jacksonville and the New York teams. Um, we talked about Philly on here being a, a sneaky one. Uh, perhaps we're, we're gearing up for a shootout with the Texans right now. Um, I, I'm convinced that this whole Baker Mayfield run is going to come down to three games. It's going to come down to the rematches with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And then assuming the Browns land on that 10 win mark, the playoff game and what could come of that. And that's uh, reason enough where, you know, Dan could, or Mary, excuse me, Mary Kay could have took him first overall, you know, that, that is, he is the quarterback at the end of the day. And there is a lot on the line here and the decision of a franchise really. So um Talk about uh, high stakes for the last eight football games of, of someone's third NFL career, but we don't know. Story hasn't been written and that's why they play the game. Okay. Well, I, I get to benefit here from, from the snake now. So uh, <laughs> we'll start the second round off. Part of me wants to get cute here. There, there's a name I'm thinking and I want to get cute, but you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take uh, somebody that you could consider the best player available here to kick off the second round. I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball and I'm going to go with Baker's number one target here in the second half of the season. And that's going to be Jarvis Landry, Mary Kay, you Scott and I talked uh, yesterday about Jarvis's season and his numbers right now are on pace to being some of his lowest numbers of the year. But at the same time, when you watch, when you just watch and, and you're seeing how this offense moves, it doesn't feel like that. You still feel that impact that Jarvis is having. Uh, he's got to put the drops behind him. He can't put the easy ones on the ground. Hopefully his ribs are feeling a little bit better uh, after the bye week. Hopefully he's kind of moved past the Odell Beckham Jr. injury, which, which I think probably impacted him a lot to, to see his best friend lose his season to an ACL tear. Uh, but I think Jarvis Landry is the guy that this, they don't have a lot else at receiver, and they need Jarvis Landry to be Mr. Reliable for this football team, uh, catching the football in the slot on the outside, maybe even throw in another pass, whatever they have him do. Uh, I, I think he's really vital to keeping this passing game moving. Yep. And I knew you were going to go with Jarvis Landry <laughs> here. Uh, and that was the absolute right next choice. That's exactly what I would have done. It's probably what Ellis would have done as well. Um, or he can tell us about that. But um, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, this is really, you're exactly right about all of that. Jarvis has got to be the man now uh, with no Odell. Uh, he is, uh, the, the passing game for the most part from the receiver standpoint is in his hands and it better stay in his hands because he did drop a lot of passes. Uh, I had him down for three uh, against the Raven uh, against the Raiders. And I'm not talking about the touchdown pass. There were three, uh, the, the, the high 19 yarder in the fourth quarter, there were three others that, that he did not secure. And that's just not like him. He's coming off hip surgery. He had two broken ribs and he has not been himself. I think he will be himself in the second half. I think he will, I think he'll catch four or five touchdown catches in the second half. He doesn't have one yet. He's not, he does not have Pro Bowl caliber numbers, uh, but I think that he's going to have more of the, the kind of 
Jarvis-like second half that we're used to. He's a five-time Pro Bowler. I think we're going to see uh, some really great things for him in the second half now that he's had that time to heal up. Yeah, the thing with Jarvis is there's no question that he can handle this, that he is ready for this and has the ability to carry this offensive and receiving load. My worry is if he can hold up. Can he hold up? Because I can't get that Raiders triple stuff sandwich hit in the end zone that you're referring to, Mary Kay, out of my head. I mean, he got just absolutely crushed. And like Jarvis does, he shoots up and he's ready to play after a brief moment. But those hits add up. And Mary Kay, you said it when we were talking about the Baker Mayfield selection. Eight games into Kevin's fancy's offense, defenses are getting a new book on Baker. You know, you already knew the type of quarterback he was just in general, but now you're getting a book on who he is within this offense and specifically who he's going to be without Odell Beckham Jr. And if that Raiders game was any uh, tipping tip off or key, it's going to be looking for Jarvis Landry in key moments. You know, he didn't even think twice about that slot fade. He threw to Jarvis and he came down with it. And he didn't think twice about the, the touchdown across the middle when the Browns needed a score. Those are Jarvis targets. Teams are going to figure that out. And I hope Jarvis holds up or someone else steps up because those, those are some crushing hits. And though he's a warrior and though he's had a bye week to heal up, um, you just anticipate more of those coming if, if we see more of what happened in the Raiders game. Yeah, Sunday is going to be his 105th career game. And with a guy like Jarvis, that's, that's a hard 105 games. Amen. Uh, he does not, he does not take a snap off. I mean, this is a guy that crawled off the field and, and was back on, um, you know, on, on that same exact series against Indianapolis. All right, Ellis, you are up with the second pick of our second round. So as surprised as you two were that I was going to take Jarvis, I actually would have taken Kareem Hunt here. And I'm equally surprised that Dan didn't take (laughs) Kareem Hunt here, um, pulling that summer narrative back to the forefront. Um, For me, I am totally content with having a pairing of the Browns backfield and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as my first two picks because I think that's exactly what this team is going to be in these final eight games. You know, we talk about how important this is for Baker and part of the reason I key those three games, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, and the potential playoff game is because everything else is going to run through Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt before that, you know, Baker's not going to be asked to do a whole lot uh, if Kevin Stefanski has his way about it versus these lesser defenses. Mary Kay said at the tech, starting with the Texans, the worst run defense in the league. Uh, I've been watching some, Nick Chubb tape, which means I was watching uh, the Bengals game and just the way the Bengals were unable to first stop Nick Chubb and then a fresh Kareem Hunt. That's going to be something we haven't seen in a long time. Kareem Hunt has been battling injury and now he's going to look more fresh. So going down the second half, the Browns are going to want to run Nick Chubb early, have Kareem Hunt come in late and knock teams out with a one-two punch, which means a lot of opportunity for Kareem Hunt and why his value and his importance in the second half of the season is up there with any else, anyone else in this Browns team. And yeah, you know what? And when you guys were talking earlier about Nick Chubb, and, and I mean, and obviously we can all agree what Nick is, but I think we've been a little hard on Kareem Hunt because he has been playing with injury. And the first two games that the Browns played without Nick Chubb were against two of the best, the absolute best run defenses in the NFL, including the Steelers, uh, which held Derrick Henry the following week, I believe, to like 75 yards or something uh, just very below the average for, for Derrick Henry. So I don't know for sure that 
Nick Chubb would have been able to just, you know, tear it up against those teams either. Uh, and and Kareem has been trying to do this again with several damaged ribs and it's been really hard. So I think he is going to be just like Jarvis so much healthier in the second half. And I, I think he is even more important now without Odell Beckham Jr. Because teams are going to be able to uh, pack it in a little bit more and they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to have, you know, two guys covering Odell. So it, it is going to be more imperative uh, to be able to be creative to be able to run and, and pound that ball and also do all the other crazy things that Kareem can do. And, and I still would like to see them, you know, especially now with Odell out, uh, do a little more with both of them on the field. I, I understand the thinking between behind having, you know, we're going to have Nick Chubb start us and Kareem Hunt's going to be the closer. Uh, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to see them do a little bit more with both guys on the field where uh, you split them out some of that 21 personnel 22 personnel, whatever. I mean, they're not afraid to go uh, really big uh, in their personnel packages. So um, I, I think that's something that maybe they can unlock a little bit because they are going to be scrambling to find guys who can catch the football, except in Kareem's Hunt, much, Kareem Hunt's case, much like in Jarvis's case, got to catch the football. He's, he's had some drop issues this year uh, as well, even with the spectacular catches that he's made. All right, Mary Kay, you're going to get back-to-back picks here. We're going to put a break in between them. So give us your first pick here. Uh, the last pick of the second round. My last pick of the second round. Is this my only my second pick? This is your second pick. Wow. <laughs> I don't like the snake draft at That's all. The snake. I don't like it. I got, I hit on number 14. I had a noser. That should have counted for something, <laughs> but it counted for almost nothing. Um, but anyways, I am going to get a little cute here, perhaps. I'm going to go with Ronnie Harrison here. The Browns really need good, improved safety play. We know what Denzel Ward brings to the table. We know he's going to be that lockdown corner. I think he's going to have a Pro Bowl second half of the season and put together a a Pro Bowl campaign. But they need Ronnie Harrison to be really, really good. They've gotten poor safety play, except for the few games that Ronnie Harrison has come in and started to sort of solidify the position, making a few starts, okay? If they don't get good safety play, I mean, you'll, we'll find out on Sunday uh, at the stadium against Deshaun Watson. If they, if they don't get good safety play, they're, they're just going to be in trouble. They're not going to be able to get off the field, and it's just going to be a mess. So uh, I just really think that he's a very, very important key to this defense, second half of the season, I think he represents a major upgrade uh, at the safety position. And, and I really think that uh, he's due for some big things coming up here. He was, he was almost my, almost my second pick. I, I couldn't pass on, on the obvious choice of Jarvis though. Um, if he had made that catch off uh, the miles Garrett near strip sack on Derek Carr on the Raiders first drive, if he had made that catch and taken it to the house, Ronnie Harrison would have been the absolute number one topic of conversation during the bye week. Like this guy's going to change the defense. It would have been two pick sixes on the season. Um, instead, the Raiders end up, they missed that field goal, but the, it ended up kind of saving the Raiders. Uh, and then they were finally able to take control of the game a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, Ronnie Harrison is really, really important. He's grading out well. I, I haven't checked the grades after the Raiders game, but I, I know he was grading out really well on, on PFF. Um, and you can just see it. 
right? I mean, he's getting his hands on the football. He's making plays. He's getting into the backfield when they send him into the backfield. Uh, he, he's just a really important upgrade for this football team. And now you've had the bye week. You've had eight weeks to get him ready. I think it's finally time to unleash him. Yeah, Dan, I've got those P- PFF numbers in front of me last week. PFF had this um, through the Raiders game. Ronnie is ranked number one in tackling, 89.3, a defensive grade of 75.5, ninth, and his coverage grade is about the same, which is also ninth among 92 qualified safeties. So, I mean, you're looking at a, a top 10 safety uh, as of late, which is uh, – you know, for what was it, like a fifth round pick, that's extremely impressive. And I think what Browns fans can be excited about is both watching Ronnie grow in this defense in the second half, as, as Mary Kay has mentioned, and then uh, dreaming about a not so distant future of teaming him with Grant Delpit and maybe perhaps having two cornerstone safeties for the foreseeable future. I know I'm sure that's something um, Andrew Barry and Joe Woods are salivating about, and you, you can't blame them with the way Ronnie's playing. Um, you, you, you didn't know, you sometimes wonder what kept so long to get him on the field. Um, but good thing he is because the, the Browns need it and they're definitely going to need him in the second half to keep stepping up. Yeah. And I, I thought, you know, Andrew gave a, kind of the answer I expected, but he sort of explained why they went out and made that deal. And I think it's also a deal that kind of gives you an idea of how this team is going to approach being aggressive with this roster on the trade market. You know, those are the sorts of trades that I think they're really going to like to make and try and find value in guys like Ronnie Harrison. Uh, moving forward, even as this roster gets more expensive and, and whatever else might happen. All right, we're going to take a break, and then Mary Kay is going to kick us off here in the third round. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams, and we are doing a fantasy draft of the most important Browns in the second half. In case you forgot, uh, Mary Kay has taken Miles Garrett. Uh, Ellis took Nick Chubb. I took Baker Mayfield and then Jarvis Landry. Ellis took Kareem Hunt. And Mary Kay just took Ronnie Harrison and Mary Kay, who was just complaining about how the snake draft messed her up and she had to wait so long to make a pick. Well, now, Mary Kay, you get back to back picks. So the snake draft taketh and the snake draft giveth. I said that wrong, but however that saying goes, (laughs) you get to lead us off in the third round. All right. Well, I'm going to now go over to the offensive side of the ball since I've been hanging out on defense here with my first two rounds. I am going with tight end Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper is a huge key, I believe, to the second half of this Brown season. He hasn't really made the impact yet, uh, at least from an offensive production standpoint that I think we all expected him to. He's done a lot of other things. He's blocking well. Uh, you know, he's, he's making contributions in other ways. Uh, but he only has 22 receptions. He's missed the last two games because of his appendectomy. 22 catches on 33 targets. Uh, he only has one touchdown catch. Uh, that's just not enough. I mean, when I, I was adding up some salaries the other day of Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham Jr., and they got four touchdown catches out of those three guys. And we're talking all three guys have double-digit million salaries for so for your whatever your almost you know 30 some almost 40 million dollars you got four touchdown catches out of those guys in the uh in the first half of the season that's not how this was supposed to go and Austin Hooper is coming off of two back-to-back Pro Bowl campaigns he's averaged 73 yards in his last I mean 73 catches in his last two seasons so I think they need to get him really involved in this offense 
And I think they're going to try to do that. And if it goes as planned, I saw some chemistry issues between him and Baker in, in the first half. It just seemed like they were a little bit off. Uh, but if they can get that together, I see potentially four or five touchdown catches for Austin Hooper in the second half and a lot more catches. Yeah, I can't really figure out um, Hooper's ceiling in this offense is the way I'll put it. Um, I think you're right about that, Mary Kay, where he's going to make his biggest impact is going to be in the red zone. Uh, Baker remains lights out in that area. And that's where they're going to need him the most, because quite frankly, Kevin Stefanski as reliant as he is on the tight ends. He doesn't really use them for uh, repeated chunk plays. You know, you don't see these tight ends running seam routes and, and, and just barreling down the field, like a lot of uh, other offenses across the league, even thinking back to last year uh, when Stefanski was calling plays for the Minnesota Vikings, um, Kyle Rudolph and, then rookie Herb Smith Jr. was, you know, they weren't going down the seam often either. And their yardage totals weren't all that impressive. If you combine the two uh, catches and yards, it's one of the better tight end combos in the league. And that's might be what the Browns are looking at at the end of the year. When you combine Harrison Bryant and Austin Hooper's numbers, you're going to get that tight end one type of uh, production, but that's how Stefanski plays this. He's going to balance it between the two, which is not naturally means less opportunity for Austin Hooper. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I, I think Kevin Spansky was smart to mention how there's been so much that Hooper's done that just doesn't show up on the stat sheet, and he's such a focal point of the offense and doing the dirty work, if you will. Um, but that doesn't get the job done in, in, in fantasy football and, and perhaps you know in, in future contract discussions. So I'm sure he's going to want to see those numbers go up. I'm, I'm curious to see, because I feel like they were starting to do this a little bit with him. Uh, and, and you know you kind of throw the Pittsburgh game out the window in a lot of ways. But I feel like we we're starting to see some of those tight end screens, little quicker passes like that to, uh, to Austin Hooper. And I, you know, you can do that with Harrison Bryant. You can do that with David Njoku, but that's really an Austin Hooper type play, right? That catch and run ability that he has, it's, it's just better than what those other two guys are, are able to do. Um, and, and I think maybe he'll unlock some more of that stuff as well. And that might be how he ends up getting those target numbers up. All right, Ellis, your final pick. Uh, number three, I, I don't think you're going to go Dearness Johnson here and stick with the running backs, but I, I guess we'll find out. It's a good tease, Dan, because I'm sticking with the running game. <laughs> and I can promise you, if Scott Pasco was on this podcast, my selection would not have fallen this far. <laughs> I am taking right guard Wyatt Teller, who we actually got to talk to today in, in, in a pretty fun interview. He had a lot of energy uh, today, which was, which was fun to engage with. Um, I saw an interesting stat on NFL Live today. Um, the Browns averaging 5.5 a carry with Teller, uh, like three, nine without him. And then they hadn't scored the Browns hadn't scored a rushing touchdown in his absence. And then you think back about that and you're like, oh yeah, well, you know, Steelers game didn't count, I guess is how we talk about the Ravens and Steelers games out here. Um, and then, you know, the Bengals game, uh, Baker throws five touchdowns. That's that. And, uh, the Raiders game was what it was. So now Teller's back and to pair him with, uh, my draft picks of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, it's a pretty clear, the, the way I think this offense is going to move in the second half of the season, it's going to be all ground oriented watching tape on Nick Chubb. Um, coincidentally, men, I was watching tape on Wyatt Teller also, and I just kind of forgot how quick and agile he is in that guard spot. Uh, the, the inside zones are hitting because of him. It, it's really impressive. He's a lot better athlete than, you know, probably anyone gives him credit for. And with him back, uh, and Nick Chubb at the same time, as Mary Kay said, going against the worst rushing defense in football this week. It's going to be quite a homecoming. Absolutely. I, this is a great pick here. And, and you're right. As you mentioned, uh, Scott Hatsko, who could 
be the publicist for Wyatt Teller in the same way that Dan could have been the publicist for Kareem Hunt uh, throughout the uh, the off season. Uh, you know, it, he wouldn't have lasted this long if Scott were on this pod. But this is a great place to pick him, and you're very right about that. He is the number one ranked guard in the NFL according to ProFootballFocus.com, and that is. That is a pretty remarkable thing when you're up against even your own guard in Joel Batonio, right? I mean, to be the number one guard in the NFL when nobody had any idea if you were even going to start a game this season at that position. He went out in the offseason. He worked his tail off. He added a team-high 16 pounds of lean mass. And, I mean, he, you, you can tell by looking at him, you know, just how different he looks and it's showing, it's showing up on the field and he, he's been tremendous and he's the perfect, perfect fit for the wide zone. He's athletic enough to do it. As you mentioned, Ellis, you know, you see him pulling and doing all the things that you need to do. And, and he's just been the, probably the, the biggest surprise of the first half. Yeah. One, one more thing, one thing, one more thing on Tyler here real quickly before you go, Dan, um, Scott mentioned this on got to watch the tape. And I thought it was an interesting proposition. Uh, he asked what, or who has had the Browns missed more in terms of their run game, Nick Chubb or Wyatt Teller. And the obvious answer is Nick Chubb, but considering they missed about the same time and now they're returning at the same time too, uh, there's really no way to quantify it. And, and I'm, I'm, we all hope and Browns fans specifically that, you know, neither of these guys get lost to injury again, and we don't have to find out. But I, I think Scott's onto something here is we can't underestimate how valuable Wyatt Teller has been and it's because of everything you just said, Mary Kay, he dedicated himself this off season and it's showing up on the field now. Yeah, it, it is an interesting point because, you know, I think Wyatt Teller has been responsible for maybe opening up some of those rushing lanes and obviously his polling ability. And then when you combine that with Nick Chubb, I mean, when Nick Chubb gets in the secondary, it's, I mean, that's scary. You know, probably the only scarier guy running in the secondary is Derrick Henry, just as a runner. Uh, I mean, Nick Chubb is so fast and makes guys miss. So that combination has just been absolutely brutal uh, for defenses. All right. There are a lot of ways I can go here with this final pick. And there's a lot of names I have kind of bouncing around my head. But I'm going to go with this guy because maybe he had a little bit of a breakout against the Raiders. I'm not entirely sure. But they're going to need him. And this goes hand in hand with Mary Kay's number one overall pick. I'm going to say Olivier Vernon. The Browns are basically all in on him, and, and they have been all in on him as their number two pass rusher. Uh, you know, Adrian Claiborne has been pretty quiet, and I, I know he's dealing with injuries. You know, Porter Gustin hasn't given you a ton since that Cincinnati game. They need Olivier Vernon to have more games like he had against the Raiders. And, you know, there's no trade deadline now. You know, Tack McKinley is going to Cincinnati, so you're not going to add him. This is it. It's Olivier Vernon's show. He's got to step up. He's got to be that other pass rusher. When, when teams are putting two, three guys at Miles Garrett, it, Olivier Vernon's going to have to step up. You know, they did put a claim in for Tack McKinley. Yeah. I had been thinking about him, and I think we've talked about him a few times on this pod as, as somebody that they could possibly think about trading for. Now, I don't know if they ever had a conversation about trading for him. They probably did. Uh, because if you wind up then putting a claim in on a guy, and now we're in that period where uh, veterans have to go through waivers, and this, your standings in the NFL determine your waiver spot. Uh, so the Browns, I think, are 17th or something like that. Yeah, I think they're 17th. 
So the Bengals got him. They claimed him. But the Browns were one of about three teams that put it in a claim on tack. So I think that shows that they are still very determined to try to upgrade the pass rush on this football team. But you're right, Dan. Uh, Olivier Vernon is somebody that, uh, you know, tack's not showing up. So uh, Vernon has to, and he has to continue to. But I will say this. I've been watching him. I've been watching him in that little, those little snippets of practice uh, that I get to go to. And it's only like the first 15 minutes, but we get to watch uh, the defensive linemen go through their individual drills. And for the a period of time after Olivier Vernon came back from his abdominal injury, he was not himself. He did not look healthy to me. And I could tell by the way he was going through uh, the blocking dummies and the bags and just the way that he was going through his individual drills. Uh, he just he didn't look right. And I noticed today that he healed up throughout the bye weekend. He looks explosive again, and he looks like he's got some of the juice back. So I would expect him to have a better second half of the season. That, that's fascinating, Mary Kay. And, and if he continues building up that momentum that he started uh, against Las Vegas, then I think Brown Sands are in for a, a pleasant surprise in, in a similar form uh, to Wyatt Teller. No, not that always oh, coming out of nowhere like Wyatt did, but just to have that production um, would would completely transform this defensive front and make Miles Garrett even more of a wrecking crew than he already is. And it, look, he's going to have some opportunities on Sunday. Uh, Miles Garrett and, and you know Deshaun Watson will hold the football, and Miles Garrett has had some success against Deshaun Watson. He's going to flush him Olivier Vernon's way, and, and Vernon's going to have some opportunities to to make some of those improvisational plays that Deshaun Watson is so good at turn into sacks. Um, and I think that's going to be an important factor on Sunday. All right. That's it. Our three rounds. But is there anybody that you guys were just like you were debating over? I, Denzel Ward was on my list. Um, Ellis, you're shake. You're, you're nodding your head. Yeah. I just think we should say something quickly about Denzel Ward here. Um, I think it's almost a, a good thing when you don't make a list like this, like referees, sometimes the best corners in football aren't heard from. And that's because they're one of the best corners in football. So and it, I think it goes hand in hand with the Browns schedule. You know, it's not like, again, for the third time, I think I've said this two New York teams and Jacksonville and whatnot, there's not a whole lot of teams you're worried about throwing the ball on you. So perhaps that's why Ward doesn't go, but by no means is that an indictment how Ward's been playing. I, again, the best corners aren't heard from often. That's because no one's thrown their way. Right. Okay. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. Make sure you get subscribed to your seven weekly podcasts every single week. Ellis, I know you guys have, you've got to watch the tape going up Friday. We'll have our, our picks and our game preview. We all have some work to do on the picks. Although Ellis, you had a strong week last week. So you're, you're charging up the standings here uh, midway through the season. That'll be coming on Friday. And then of course we'll have our post game show, which football insider subscribers can be a part of. So you should head to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on that blue banner on the top of the page to get involved in that. For Mary Kay and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Everybody.